Well, a whoa to everybody this morning. You look good. You sound great. I love to see all the kids dancing. Don't you dare grow out of that. You've had a tough week. It ought to be a little bit relaxing, a little bit relieving, a little bit non-anxious when you come into the atmosphere of God's house. It ought to be. It ain't always there, but it should be. So relax, throw caution to the wind, and boy, let the kids enjoy and celebrate God. Don't get tense and stiff and too formal. All right? He, He loves the jubilant praise and worship, clapping, lifting of hands. People say, well, that's charismatic. That's Bible, Sparky. Read it. Do it. God likes it, so it's okay. Hey, I hope you had a good week. I heard about a preacher, overstressed, highly anxious, discouraged, worried, just very depressed. He read every book he could find on suicide. So after doing that, he went to an Ace Hardware store, and he bought him an aluminum fishing boat, put it on trailer, bought a can of gasoline, bottle of poison, box of matches, a rope, and a gun. He put him in the back of that boat. He drove out north of the city to a big lake. On the north shore of the lake was a huge oak tree, big branch hung out over the water. So he put the boat in the water and rowed out under that big branch. He threw the rope over the branch, tied it off on the boat, made a hangman's noose and put it around his neck, took the can of gasoline, poured it over himself, took the bottle of poison, drank it, took the match, set himself on fire, kicked the boat out from under him, and he hung suspended, a flame in the air, put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger. But, but he missed his head, and he hit the rope. And he fell in the water, and he put out the fire. And he swallowed water, and he spit up the poison. And he said the next Sunday, you know, folks, if I hadn't been such a good swimmer, I'd have drowned. Uh, I, hope, I hope you feel better than that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through verse 34. Therefore, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something. Stop worrying about your life, what you'll eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Take a look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in a barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Yeah, and so does Cindy and I, Lord, too. Yeah, we buy food every week to feed those rascals. Are you not much more valuable than a bird? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, the expected response is no? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They don't labor, they don't spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was dressed like them. If that's how God clothes grass, that's here today and tomorrow thrown in a fire. Will he not more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or when am I going to find a man and get married? I threw that one in. Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows very well you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, all this other stuff will be given to you as well. So, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own, and everybody said, amen. Boy, it sure does. I was thinking about what I worried about when I was in grade school. How about you? I worried about my grades, because back then they sent report cards home to your parents. I worried about my homework. I worried about getting in trouble. 
One time I carved my initials in my desk and I got in trouble. I couldn't escape because they were my initials and it was my desk, not, not too smart. I should have carved them in Becky's desk or something. And I remember thinking about how good it's going to be one day when I'm grown up and I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have teachers or parents to worry about at all. Well, Jesus is talking to a large group of people in this Sermon on the Mount, and He says, my advice to you guys is stop worrying about your life. Don't worry about anything. And what strikes me about this is the crowd He's talking to. Most of them were incredibly poor. They lived on less than a dollar a day, and most of them would be poor until they died. Ninety-five percent of them would never be able to read or write. Most of them were lame or sick. They had no medicines. Plagues would come and kill up to an entire third of a city. Can you imagine? Many of them were slaves. They would never be free. And God forbid if you were a baby, odds were you wouldn't live past the age of 30. That was the world they lived in. If you look around this room this morning, there are a lot of people here over 30. Some of you are over 40. But in Jesus' day, 30 was about the average life expectancy. When Social Security was set up in America, the average life expectancy was 65. That's why it's out of money, because almost nobody dies at 65. We just keep rocking. I didn't pass all that. Shoot, that ain't nothing. But that's—they set that law in the culture, and like the government, no matter who's in charge, the government always figures out a way to do it bad. They don't change anything. They're kind of like the church, you know. They just—anything they start's eternal. And so, it's not wise, not smart, and it's not even practical because we live longer. Now, here's the issue. I'd say that if I lived in that day, my anxiety factor could be pretty high. But over the last, say, 2,000 years, wouldn't you say living conditions for us have gotten a lot better? We're better educated. We're healthier. We're better resourced. We're cleaner. We're freer 20 times more than people in Jesus' day. Well, say, isn't it great we don't have to worry anymore? Everybody ought to smile. Isn't it great that anxiety's pretty much been eliminated from the human race? Or has it? There was a study done a few years ago by a guy from Harvard, and he wrote about how over the last 40 years the diagnosis of depression and anxiety is 10 times more common today than it was 40 years ago. Let me tell you what parents had to worry about when I went to school. High school, Ricky G, here's all that could happen. We had no malls. We didn't have seat belts or airbags. We only had AM radio. We had virtually no speed limit, no emissions control on a car. Every store closed. It's 5 o'clock. We had Sunday blue laws. Nothing was open on Sunday. Television was black and white. It went off the air by 11. And the only three things parents had to worry about, your kid could do three things, get drunk on beer, get pregnant, or get caught smoking in a bathroom. That's it. Life was good. I mean, people, how much trouble could I get into? Just not a whole lot. It wasn't because we were righteous. It was because there weren't any options. Everybody okay? Any, some of you old goats out there old as me. Wasn't that true? Absolutely it was true. It's, it's, it's different today. And so even though we've got better living conditions, we're healthier, we're better educated, we're better resourced, uh, we're up. 
We're up 10 times what we should have been in worry and anxiety. So Jesus said, if you think money, more money, more health, more success is going to free you from worry, you're in for a big surprise. You'll never get to a worry-free life, Jesus said, with more success, more money, or better health. The only way to do it is learning how to put your life in the hand of God the Father and let it go. Let it go just like the life of a bird. Jesus said, hey, come on, let me, let me talk to you. Look at the birds. They don't plant seeds. They don't harvest crops. They don't store food. And he says there's absolutely nothing wrong with planting and harvesting or storing. Nothing wrong with it except they, birds, don't do that stuff, and they still eat. Well, how does that happen? Jesus said, because God feeds them. He takes care of them. It's not by accident. Then he says, hey, take a look over at the flowers in the field, just the wildflowers that nobody plants. They don't toil. They don't spin. And they are so beautiful, more so than the best-dressed human being in the world, they would be nothing in comparison to these beautiful flowers. And why are they so beautiful? Comes from God, Jesus said. And then here was his summary. He says, now look, if God takes care of dumb birds, and not one falls to the ground he's not aware of, and God dresses the flowers of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow with such care and such beauty, will He not take care of you? Are you not worth more than a bird or a flower? He's trying to reason with our thick heads to say, you I would die for. He didn't die for a bird or a wildflower, yet He takes care of them. And he says, I'll take care of you. He's watching over you. I love that song by Bette Midler. God is watching us. God is watching us. Bette Miller is not a prophetess. She's a singer that I never know who I'm talking to, and apparently nobody. So, okay. I thought everybody my age would know who Bette was. Uh, people sometimes get into this kind of a lifestyle, peaceful even though the circumstances around their life are very difficult, but you wouldn't know it. We just had a funeral for Bill Morris. Bill Morris fought cancer for over two and a half years, courageously, never complained, showed up every single day he could walk near the door. You wouldn't know the man had a problem in the world. He said, I'm, uh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. That was one of his sayings all the time. He just never would worry about it. He knew God could heal him. We prayed that God would, but in his case, God chose not to intervene, and Bill went on to be with the Lord. But absolutely peaceful, flashed the victory sign on the last day of his life and said, it's victory in Jesus Christ. He was a strong man of faith, never anxious, never worried, not sobbing, not feeling sorry for himself, and he left at 68 years of age. Occasionally you meet incredible people like this that aren't uptight about anything. Now, a couple of months ago, I read a story about a wealthy businessman who had gone through some really deep stuff personally, and he felt he needed a fresh experience with God. So for some reason, he started attending an inner city church where people were very strapped financially. But he said what struck him the most was that when these people would get together, their joy level was really, really high. Their problems were huge, but their anxiety was lower. One woman, he said, lives on 600 bucks a month. She got up in front of the church, and he said, I, went, I want to tell all of you a secret. As soon as you get your monthly check, you cash it, you bring your tithe to church, you give it to God. That's what I do, and God always takes care of me. Just $600 a month. The business guy said that in this church, there's another man that had a very difficult life, and he would always pray the same thing every morning in church. God, I thank you for getting me up this morning because I wouldn't have gotten up if you hadn't gotten me up. 
Thank you, Lord. Hey, how many of you did that this morning? See, sometimes I think it's just me getting me up, but it's God getting me up, and we forget to be grateful. Let me give you another example. Right now, everybody just swallow. Go ahead, just swallow. That's it. Unless you're dipping snuff in here, you might not want to. There are people in hospitals right now so sick they can't swallow. I've never thought about being grateful for swallowing. I just assume it. Bad move. Be grateful. Now, here's the thing about Jesus' life. He never assumed anything. Every time he woke up, he just thanked the Father for waking him up another day. Every day he swallowed, thank you, God, my body's working. Every time he saw a bird or a flower, he saw a good God constantly at work. He never took anything for granted. He didn't get anxious over what might happen tomorrow. He lived one day at a time in the goodness of his Father. And by doing so, he brought a great gift to the people around him. I ran across a phrase a, phrase a few months ago. It's not mine, but it describes who Jesus was, and you can remember it from three letters, N-A-P, nap, what, what some of you are doing right now, na na nap stands for non-anxious presence. Jesus was a nap, a non-anxious presence. You can walk into a crowd of panic-filled people. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's full of tension. But when somebody comes into the midst that's not afraid, fully aware of the problem, not in denial, but calm, able to think, able to plan, and has a quiet confidence, it begins to bring the anxiety level down. I've done that in hospital rooms, in the military training, reserve officers training, and in combat wounds. First thing, don't panic. You're no good to anybody, yourself included, if you panic. First aid was when I was a water safety instructor on a rescue team, a scuba team, Neptune Raiders in New Jersey. First thing, don't panic or you can't help yourself. You can't think clearly. In piloting, lose an engine, something critical happens, first rule. Don't panic. Think. Be calm. And if you look at test pilots and people throughout history that are trained that way, you never hear them screaming. You never hear them losing control. Even if the plane is uncontrollable, they're speaking very little, very calmly. Their voice is not high-pitched, screaming, ah! Calm. Don't panic. So are you a non-anxious presence? Because everybody needs that. I remember, I see Bob and Shannon Yarrington here, when our, we, we're next door neighbors, and when our girls and their girls were little bitty girls, they're all grown now, getting married. And, uh, but, but little Brookie, with the youngest, was, got up on the side of her mama's car, and it was like two miles an hour driving into their driveway, and thought that'd be cute, and she just fell off the side and hit the cement and knocked herself out. Holy Moses! Uh, I heard screams. I heard screams and crying, and Brooks laying there unconscious on the driveway like roadkill. And, and my girls come outside and hear the commotion. My wife comes out. They're all screaming. They're all crying. I got estrogen crying and screaming all over the place. And I'm rushing over to Brooke. And I remember, you know, I'm thinking, 
Calm. It'll be okay. It's going to be all right. Pick Brookie up. Is there any blood streaming? I see a bump on the head, a scratch. Uh, I look at her eyes. They're not dilated. Her vital signs are okay. And I'm carrying her all the way over to my house. I said, call Bob on the phone. I'm going to make a report. Calm down. Everybody calm down. And I gave him the diagnosis. I looked at her. I reported it. He said, she just knocked herself out. And I said, she's come to. She looks fine. She's cognizant. All parts are moving. Everything's going to be fine. But you bring that non-anxious presence. And living with my wife next week for 40 years, I think she will affirm to you that no matter what crisis we've ever faced, I will always tell her it's not going to be a problem. It's going to be all right. Husbands, leaders of groups, departments in a church, in a business, you ought to be the key non-anxious presence because people are easily frightened. People are easily anxious and worried. It, you'd watch too much news, you're going to get Ebola. You're going to get, you're going to get this. You're, you know, I'm on a, uh, ISIS is going to be in San Antonio by 4 o'clock, and, and I don't know if we want to take a carnival cruise. <laughs> Folks, you cannot live that way. Jesus said, don't live that way. There are things you can control, but there are things you cannot control. And you don't need to be anxious about what you cannot control. I'm going to get on an airplane Thursday. I'm going to fly 15 hours across the Pacific Ocean where there are great whites nonstop. 15 hours. Lose a day in the international daylight. I don't know who's carrying what germ on that airplane. I don't know who's a threat or a terrorist. We screen, but you don't know. But I've learned after 10 million miles, and I've learned after being a Christian for so long, that I don't have to be worried about it. I, I do a little looking around. If somebody looks weird, I'll keep an eye on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not stupid. And if somebody makes, uh, gets out of control, I'll be proactive. You know, if somebody attempts to do something uh, endangering life at 38,000 feet, I'm not going to sit there and just glibly be passive. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die trying to kill you. I'm going to die trying to take you down. But, and I might not die. I might live and you might die. And if it's on autopilot, I got a shot at those controls. It's been a long time. Now, the only time you ought to be anxious is if I go up to actually try to have to land this thing. After all the years I hadn't been doing it, I might even ask you to pray for me because that might be a little scary. But I wouldn't be anxious. I wouldn't be worried about it. But I'm thinking I'll just lay down in the seat and sleep. I was next to a lady after a big crash, and she said, I don't know where the safest place to sit on this airplane is. And I said, ma'am, right next to me. Okay, wouldn't business first or the toilet back here? It won't matter. You just, I, if we've got any shot of making it, stay with me. I'm on an assignment here. I, I, I can't die before my time, so I'm not actually worried about it and just chill, relax. I really think we're way too stressed. And you don't get anxious, so bring peace. Oh, there's bad news over it. It's going to be all right. God's going to take care. We, we have backup, pagans don't have backup. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's Word. We have His presence. We're not alone for crying out loud. I can face anything, including death itself. How many remember when the San Francisco 49ers had a famous quarterback named Joe Montana? It was what, what was great about Joe Montana wasn't just his arm strength or his foot speed. He could be in the Super Bowl, two minutes to go, four points down. Life or death, win or lose, 80 yards from the end zone, 90,000 people looking on. And I've got a video, and I saw it yesterday again. Joe is this very non-anxious presence, and he's in the huddle with that scenario. And he looks up, and he says, holy cow, guys, 
That's John Candy over there in the stands. You think he's worried? And he gets into that huddle and he says, okay, guys, everybody calm down. It's going to be okay. Here's what we're going to do. And he gives out the instructions and they would do it. And they all think, well, if Joe says it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. That was a non-anxious presence. Every group needs one. Every committee needs one. Every family needs one. Every church needs one. Every person needs one. Here's the good news. Jesus says to you and I today, whatever you're facing, if you'll let me, I'll be your non-anxious presence. Whatever you're going through. He's in a boat one day. He's out there with the disciples. These are mostly professional fishermen. Think about deadliest catch when you think about fishermen. Think about ugly, mean, bad to the bone, teeth missing. They think four-letter words are English. They, they'll cut you so low, you have to high jump to get on a curb. These are bad boys. That's who Peter was. I mean, the dude cussed three years after walking with the Son of God. Come on, please. There's hope for some of you in here. You, it, it, <laughs> I, think we, I think we make the Bible too sterile. And boy, they freak out. They hit the panic button. Now, when the bad boys of the, har of the wharf, that when they get scared, you might want to look up. You might want to say, this may be a serious problem. And they're all full of fear. They're screaming like little girls. They think they're going to die. Anybody remember what Jesus happened to be doing at that moment? Taking a nap, asleep in the back of the boat, wasn't worried at all. They wake him up, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. We're all going to die. Jesus said, oh, chill. It's going to be okay. He looked at the storm and he said, shut up or peace, be still. Same thing. And it did. <laughs> what did I do? I don't know what I did. Okay. And they look at Jesus like, like a, you know, a, a raccoon on I-35 looking at truck lights, and they thought, who is this guy? Who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? And Jesus said, if you want to invite me into your life, make me your friend, your leader, your forgiver, your guide. Just do this one day at a time. Now, we get all worried about the rest of our life or six months from now, and we try to figure everything out. And Jesus said, hey, every day is going to bring trouble of its own. Just do this with me one day at a time. Anybody here ever take dancing lessons? Uh, yeah. Well, I did. My wife and I did when our first daughter got married. We thought I didn't want to look stupid uh, dancing with the, with the bride and and my wife, yeah, thank you. And of course, I grew up Baptist church, and dancing was against the law. So, yeah, we got liberated from that nonsense, and we decided we'd take lessons. The instructor said to us, I've got a very important question. Who leads? Silence. Now, I knew the answer, but I wanted my wife to say it. And through, grit, through gritted teeth, she said, he leads. Then he said, and who follows? Again, silence. She said, I follow. Now, it was hard for Cindy to follow for two reasons. When you're not leading, you're not in control. And it's hard for all of us not to be in control. And the second reason is that when it comes to dancing, I'm a thoroughly incompetent leader. 
But Jesus comes along and says, hey, when tomorrow arrives, listen to me, I am a thoroughly competent leader. You wake up and say, okay, Jesus, just for this day, today, you lead, I'll follow. Whatever I have to do in my relationships, in my health, my marriage, my money, my body, and then Jesus, I'm in your hands. You lead, I'll follow. Just for this day. I won't try to figure out the rest of the week. I won't try to figure out the rest of my life. I won't try to solve every problem. Just today, you lead, I'll follow. How are we going to pay for that? You lead, I'll follow. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, I promise you, I'll be a non-anxious presence in your life. Now, notice Jesus does not say, if you follow me, if you obey me, you will never have problems. He does not say that. You have to watch some airhead on TV say that. God doesn't say that. Did Jesus have problems? He challenged sin. He challenged greed. He challenged people's exclusivism in religion. He challenged people's mismanaged sexual behavior. And he was always getting in trouble. He ended up being killed while he was 33 years old. He had big problems. And he said, if you come and follow me, externally, you'll have problems. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me before it hated you. But I've told you these things that you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but don't be anxious. Don't worry. I've overcome the world. Now, this is why he says not to worry. Not because you won't have problems. I got problems, you got problems, all God's children got problems. About the only thing all of us have in common in this room is we all got some problem. Would you say amen to that? Yeah, that's not a, that's an open book quiz. When our daughters were real little, I think maybe five and three, we were at a hotel pool in Fort Myer, Florida. They were taking turns jumping off the edge of the pool into daddy's arms. Chrissy was jumping to me. Alicia was sitting on the edge of the pool next to her. And Alicia, as Chrissy jumped, slipped into the water. Now, we had talked to the girls before about being real careful around a pool and water and had warned them about the dangers of drowning. So Chrissy jumped to me while Alicia slipped into the water. Now, she was under for less than a second. But when I jerked her up, she was crying, I drowned, I drowned, I drowned. <laughs> now, from her perspective, that was terrifying. From my perspective as all-watching father, it was funny. It was kind of cute. And I said, no, sweetheart, you didn't drown. Daddy had you all the time. You are always safe. I didn't take my eye off of you. And let's not tell mommy about this. <laughs> I, I, I knew what my daughter didn't know. I never took my eyes off of them. I don't do it with my grandchildren. I don't do it at the mall. I don't do it around the pool. I don't do it to this day. I'm always watching them. She was never in danger. Her daddy had her the whole time. She wasn't aware of that as a child. And this is what Jesus saw. He said, death itself, every kind of a loss, is simply nothing to worry about. You're always in the hand of your father. And even when that moment comes, when death itself comes, it's like Alicia slipping into the pool saying, I drowned, I drowned, and okay, maybe you did. Then the father will say, but I had you the whole time. So you may be lonely, but you're not alone. You may be in a situation by yourself, you're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I've got your front door, your back door, I'm even the lifter of your head. 
This omnipresent God is always with you. And you have to sometimes say that out loud to yourself when you're facing a situation. You saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. Here's what I can do about this issue. Here's what I can't do about this issue. And I'm going to give that part of it, believing that you've got me under control, that I'm not a victim. You love me. You've got a good plan for me. So I'm going to go on this day with my life after I cast that care on you. I've done this so many times, I, I don't know how to count it. I've done it in a car, talking out loud with my wife in the car, praying about a situation from business to church to family to kids to whatever, or people and friends, always doing just the same. And I've never felt even when bad news came, that was the end. Never once. It ain't over till it's over. And the only person that has the last word is God Himself. Nobody else. If you're still breathing, it ain't over. Oh, it's not over. And you need to have confidence that He's with you. And he can feed a bird, and he can clothe a flower. He can flat take care of you. Well, I'm getting older, and I'm single, and I'm not married yet. He can take care of you. It's going to be fine. He does have somebody for you. And if you'll just chill, keep getting yourself pretty, he'll have somebody for you. I got a couple of girls in here I'm preaching to right now. And they look good. And everything's going to be all right. And get over this idea, well, I'm, I'm going to get too old to marry. How's too old to marry? Two people 97 years old got married last week. I saw it in the paper. Two old geezers from a nursing home got married. <laughs> Ain't too old to get married. And I'm just saying, you can't make that happen. And if you get anxious and you get stressed about it, you'll be sizing guys up like bait. And like, well, the height, the weight, job, income, uh, what would you, did you pay on your W-2? How much do you pray? A lot of, it, you'll, you'll repel people from you unintentionally because you're so anxious about getting the right one. Enjoy your life. Relax. Have a kick up your heels. Have a good time. Well, you could just go to church and be sorry and miserable. I'm not going to live that way. And I, Jesus didn't live that way, and He didn't tell us to live that way. Stop doing it. Quit being anxious. Well, I'm facing bankruptcy, Rick. Well, God's there with you. He, I, listen, I've been tithing and giving for years. I've never worried about my back door. I never worried about it at Summit. I never worried about it when we had unexpected things happen. I, I don't have an answer all the time, but I said, God does. I said, Lord, you promised to take care of me. You, you'd supply my need. You'd rebuke the devourer. You'd open winds of heaven. So I'm going to leave that with you. I don't know how that's going to happen in six months when that's due. I don't have it, but I know you got it, and I'm going to just, and I do, every time I feel worried about it, that's what I say out loud to the Lord and just remind him. It helps me. It lets the devil know. Oh, I'm confident that God's watching me. Like Daddy watching Alicia on the side of the pool, He's watching me. He's gotten me all the time. He said, I care more about you. I've got even the hair on your head numbered. How, how, how careful is that to know how important you are to Him every, every single day? Jesus said, the one who believes, who trusts in me, even though he dies, will live and not taste death. Can you see that nothing is ultimately for a believer at risk? When people hear a message like this, they think, well, I know Jesus said not to worry, Rick, and I feel bad that I worry a lot. And when they, then they try really hard not to worry. Have you ever tried really hard not to worry? Can I play Dr. Phil? And, and how's that working for you? Not good, because you can't stop worrying by trying not to worry. That's not the Jesus way. St. Paul put it this way, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind through Christ. 
The idea is that when worry comes to your mind, don't feel guilty about it. Don't think your faith is inadequate. Don't beat yourself up. He says, just pray and cast that care on Him. Write it down on a piece of paper. Pray over it. Wad it up. Throw it in the trash can. Say, I'm giving this to you, Lord. I can't. It's beyond me. He wants your cares and your worry. Cast all your care on me, He says, for I care for you. He's the burden bearer. Not me. I ain't carrying it. I just always say to my wife, well, I don't know, baby, but God will take care of it. I don't know. Uh, When we got robbed two months ago, 40 years of my wife's gifts and stuff I've bought her and people have bought her for 40, and every valuable, everything I got for my 70th birthday, gone. Ain't coming back. I didn't go. You didn't have the the guys in security say, let's go get Rick in the back room. Let's get the prayer team to pray for him. We've run out of two boxes of tissues. He's sobbing back there. He's sort of in uncontrollable. He's in a fetal position in the floor. We got to get him out there on stage to preach. Shoot, just stuff. Let me tell you what I think is real valuable. The fact that I'm, as today, perfect health. I'm today happy. Next week, 40 years, I stayed married to Cindy. She stayed married to me. That's probably the better issue. She didn't dump me. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I'm a rich man. Okay, you stole watches and gold and jewelry and rings. Fine, God bless you. Just junk. I never got anxious about it. God said, I'll supply all your needs. Shoot, he's just he's working all the time. And I, you know, Cindy's a little, she's a woman. She's a little frazzled by that, and I can understand that. But I said, it's going to be all right, baby. It's going to just be fine. I never said, oh, my God, we'll never get that back. I don't know what we'll do. Oh! Shoot. Ask my wife if I've ever said that a day in my life. Never. Never have I felt like it's over. Never have I felt like I'm not going to win. I've never felt that way. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm telling you, when you come to church, if you're listening by live stream, wherever you go to church, it ought to bring to you some peace, some comfort, some encouragement, some lessening of stress, lessening of anxiety. You ought to walk out a little bit lighter, feel a little bit more positive about the day. If anything, it should be a quenching of your anxiety that God loves you. He counts the hair on your head. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And you're not slipping away or under the water or stage four cancer or a divorce or whatever or not married yet. You're not going anywhere. Daddy got you right there. He's in control of your life. And when you visualize that, you suddenly feel peace. You say, here's the problem. I can't fix it, but I believe you've got something good in my future, or you're going to deliver me somewhere out here somehow. My hope is in you. He says, suddenly, peace settles on your heart. Blood pressure goes down and on your mind. You're not anxious anymore. He wants us to live every day that way. So the question is, what's your worry? What troubles you? What makes you afraid? What are you anxious about? Health, finances, death, a child, financial loss, a job, unemployment, getting married, maybe some other person. You write it down. You pray about it. You destroy it. You give it to God, and you do it every day that worry or anxiety comes to you. You say it out loud, and God says, my non-anxious presence will be there. I will never leave you. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So I don't care what they're saying in the news. I don't care what they're saying. You know, I hate watching TV in a political. If you listen to TV ads, everybody should be locked up in jail. Everybody can't be that bad. 
and I hope you don't believe everything they say. It just, it just, especially never believe from someone who doesn't know your friend about you who does know your friend. I know people from all parties in here that are wonderful and godly and great people, and you watch these political ads. They destroy everybody. I think everybody's a criminal. Everybody's worthless as spit. What, what are we going to do? Well, one thing, register to vote. Okay, if you hadn't voted, register to vote. That's a civil right, not a Bible right. A lot of people don't have it. Shame on you. If you're 18 years old, go register to vote. And don't pull one lever. Don't pull a white lever or a black lever or a Hispanic lever. You vote intelligently. You pick people that you know. They may be in a different party, but they have good morals, good value. They're good character. Don't you lose those people just with a click, click. That's how we get sorry people in an office in less important roles and ruin the career of people who are good public servants. And I don't care what anybody says. I did that in the early days, kind of taught, thought that was cute. I won't do that ever again, ever, ever. So you vote intelligently, or we could one day not even have that right. That's got nothing to do with the message, but that's a, that's a non-paid-for commercial announcement <laughs> to say it's our civil responsibility. Folks, there's a lot of crisis going on in the world. There's terrorism. There's Ebola. There's all kind of stuff going on. And it'll always be around something, something, something. Don't live your life a prisoner to fear. And don't live under that toxicity of anxiety and stress. I'm a child of God. I am kept by the power of God. He will provide for me. He did it in the ancient days in tribulation and trial. He did it for Israel and slavery and Egypt, and he'll do it for you. He loves you too much to allow you to be freestyling and that you're going to be a victim of the currents of the economy or the world. I believe that when we give our life to Jesus, we become his child. His eye is on us. We are engraved in the palm of his hand. Whoever touches you touches the pupil of his eye. That's how valuable you are. Be confident every day. Thank you, Lord. You are with me. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you. You're working on that mate that I'm looking forward to at some point. Thank you. You're helping me with my help by your stripes. I am healed. Thank you, Lord. I give to you. I honor you with my income. You promised to rebuke the devourer, and you're going to see us through this financial uh, theft we've had, and you're going to restore. The thief will restore sevenfold, and then go on about the day and trust him. And, it, and if you hear enough testimonies, you'll watch how God has recovered people over and over and over. Even Job got back twice what he lost. So don't get a wedgie. That's what we ought to call this message. Don't get a wedgie. That's what Jesus said. Don't worry about anything. Don't be foolish, frivolous, but don't be anxious about it. Cast that care on him, and he'll care for you. And just say, darling, God's got it under control. I don't know. It's going to be all right. Let's just lie down and sleep in peace. And up tomorrow, we'll worry about tomorrow. When we get up tomorrow, we'll start again. Lord, you're my Savior. You're my Master. You're my guide. You're my teacher. Uh, you lead, I'll follow. For more information on Rick Godwin and product available, visit SummitSA.com and click on Bookstore.